Good morning, my name is Bailey McKim. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of James. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screen. I'll be reading James chapter 3, verses 9 through 12 from the New International Version. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The word of the Lord. Good morning, church. I first just want to say a thank you to Pastor Peter for allowing me time in this pulpit, time and time again. Um, It's always a joy and a privilege to be here with you this morning. So my name is Elise Steele. I am an ordained pastor with the Evangelical Covenant Church, and I'm a regular attendee here at Evergreen Covenant Church, and I highly value this faith community. Well, when Pastor Peter told me that I would be preaching on James 3, he said you could do all of James 3, a verse in James 3, whatever you want, Elise. So I read and reread this passage for the few days after receiving the assignment, and I narrowed in on verses 9 through 12. And I specifically was just caught up on verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, We curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. I am a new parent, as everybody probably knows. And don't worry, I'm not going to go on and on about how incredible Mary is. I'm going to talk about how incredible I am. (laughs) I read a lot on how to be a parent. I read about how to put Mary to sleep, introduce solids, how to play with her, I have even read articles on how to brush her hair so she doesn't get cradle cap. Sometimes too much information is too much information. But something I have learned in all of the research that I have done is that words are extremely important to Mary in her development at this time. It can be easy to sit in silence with Mary since her communication is very limited. But what Mary needs more than that is for me to communicate with her. This helps her create her own language. And from it, so much happens. She learns about her own self-esteem. She learns how to, what I'm talking about. And even before she can verbally communicate back to me, she can understand what I'm saying. So each day, Mary gets a daily dose of mama, Mommy, mom, to ensure that her first words come out just right. (laughs) But I'm also very aware of how Ben and I speak to her. We often tell Mary how beautiful she is, how strong and clever she is. And we use words to constantly encourage her growth. And as we do this, I think about as Mary gets older and that inevitable experience when someone says something unkind to her. As I think about this, I can pretend that I am in this scenario and I reprimand the person who says this to Mary and I protect her from those words. 
But the reality is, I know this will not happen, since this is what happened to me. I was a plump child. My grandma called it fluffy, which made me think I was some sort of teddy bear and made it a good thing. But the kids at school were ruthless to me. I was teased a lot for my weight, and it didn't help that I was also a giant, coming in at five feet in second grade. My nickname at school was Piggy, and even when I lost weight in high school, I could never say that word. For years, when I overheard someone say the word fat or pig, my face would flush red, and I would immediately think they were talking about me. And the sad part is, some of the most cruelest of my classmates were those who came from Christian homes. Where do children learn to be so mean? Asked in a certain context, people will say, it's their sin nature. They were born evil. And I'm not making the point that children are without sin. But I think the bigger culprit is what they are hearing in their homes. What words are exchanged by older siblings and their parents? Who gets talked about? People on television, politicians and celebrities, people in the family. How do their own parents even talk about themselves? When I was a youth pastor, I researched the effects on how a mother talks about her own appearance and how that affects how her daughter sees herself. For in biological relationships, the child bears the image of the mother. When a mom looks in the mirror and critiques how she looks without realizing it, her daughter hears a critique of her own self. Similarly, when I became a Christian at the end of high school, I attended a church with my high school friends that zeroed in on how we were sinners and how humankind was guilty of all kinds of evil. Youth group talks focused in on sinful behavior like premarital sex, drugs, and drinking. People who spoke at youth group would share testimonies how they once were bound to these things. But the youth group that I most vividly remember, the one that began to turn my heart from a calloused atheist to somebody who believed that perhaps Christ loved us, was a talk on Mr. Rogers and what an incredible human being he was. This inspired me to think, I want to be that kind of person. That was one youth group talk in a plethora of others. So when James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who are made in God's likeness, we are doing a disservice to ourselves as a church when we just focus on our sin rather than the truth that we bear the image of Christ. We are made in God's likeness. Philosophy professor R.J. Snell makes the argument about the value of humanity and how God created us. God is three persons, not parts, three persons in one essence. And God made humanity just a little lower than God in God's self. In so doing, 
God shares his personhood with us, making us more valuable than anything else in the rest of creation. When a person is baptized, the liturgy concludes with 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I survived childhood and came out the other end a decently adjusted adult because I had another voice speaking into my life, that of my mom. She focused my attention on the strengths that I had as a person, what I could offer the world as Elise. She helped me not define myself as Elise, the fat kid. Oftentimes when the good news is shared with someone, it starts off with, you are a sinner and in need of God to save you. This is not untrue, but it is not an inviting message. What if the message was, you are made in the likeness and image of God, and God's greatest desire is to be in relationship with you, because God loves you. We praise God for God's goodness, yet we sometimes fail to praise God for the goodness in God's children. I listened to a TED Talk recently by psychologist Sean Accor, who focuses his research on positive psychology. It's a really good TED Talk. I recommend you watch it. But he starts off the TED Talk retelling a story from his own childhood. He tells about a time when he was seven years old and his younger sister Amy was five years old and they were playing on the top bunk bed. And he said because he was the older kid, he got to choose what they would play. So they played war. Well, sometime in the plane, Amy gets pushed off the top bunk bed onto the ground, landing painfully on all fours. And as he recalls, there's that split second before she's going to cry out bloody murder and alert the parents to this wrongdoing that he has done. And he monopolizes that opportunity and says, Amy, look, you landed on all fours. No human does that. You must be a unicorn. So in this moment, as Amy is digesting the pain that she has received, but also this newfound identity as a magical unicorn, she shifts from her pain to being elated. She climbs back up onto that top bunk and starts playing again. His point is that Amy saw the world with a different lens. He says that those, of, uh, those people who focus on positive ways of thinking, they do significantly better in life than those whose lens is negative. I want to pause here for a moment and say, in no way am I minimizing the salvific work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I am not saying we are without sin. But it is not the whole story. Christ died to save us because we were worth saving. We bear the image of God. God loves us. A quote I heard many, many years ago 
that Martin Luther, the reformer, his confessor said to him, is I have lived in a world that has hated evil more than it has loved good. When we allow our worldview of ourselves and others to be mired in sin and brokenness, that is the lens we will see the world through. Our tongues will be filled with slanderous things against our brother and our sister, and even ourselves. We will be so shaped by those words that the voice of truth, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, will be drowned out by words of condemnation, our lack of goodness, and our stain on humanity. In this, we minimize the good work God desires to do in and through us. Jesus tells his disciples in John 14, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have done and even greater things. In Judges 6, we find Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press, terrified of the Midianites. And when the Lord comes to him, the Lord says, he calls him a mighty warrior. God then says, Go in the strength I have given you and save Israelites out of Midian's hand. Gideon's response? How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. God's response? I will be with you. God calls Gideon a mighty warrior, when to the rest of us he looks like a wimp. A servant girl in 2 Kings leads a commander of the powerful army to healing and faith in God. David, a small boy, defeats Goliath in 1 Samuel. And Paul, one who murdered early Christians, is called to be one of the most influential believers of all time. These people lived into the truth that they bore the image of God. They did incredible work for the kingdom of God by the power of the Spirit because they believed that power was at work within them. Listen to the words you use to talk about yourself and others. How can your speech turn a world that focuses on evil to focusing on good? How can you a child of God, live into your identity and transform the world around you. Remember, you are a priceless creation, loved by the creator of the universe, by the grace and power of God. May this be how you define yourself and the truth you live out. I invite us now into a time of prayer. This will be a guided time of prayer. Well, I will offer up something for you to pray for, and you will silently have opportunity to pray for it where you are at. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have created all things and called them good. You, in your infinite wisdom and power, created us in your likeness and image. 
as you did with all humankind. We are prone to forget this truth. Help us remember. Lord, you know the people we have wounded in our own lives with our words. We name some of them now. For each of these people, we pray that you would show us your image from within them. Help us embrace your forgiveness and change from our old ways. For each of these people that we have named, help us recall their face and ascribe to them a new word that embraces the reality. They are your child. Christ, you know how we see ourselves, the damaging words we can say to ourselves within our own head and sometimes aloud. We recall those words now and we ask you to speak your truth. I am fearfully and wonderfully made louder than those words. Enable us to desire Enable us to define ourselves by your goodness rather than our evil. There is good I want to do in this world, Jesus. You have created us to do good works. We name the good we want to do this week. Holy Spirit, by your power within us, help us to do this good work. Jesus, you triumphed over sin, darkness, and death. You reign victoriously. Release us from the chains of sin we continually bind ourselves to. And transform the lens in which we see the world. And may we see it as redeemed. Prepare our hearts, minds, and spirit to receive Holy Communion this day. And as we partake in the bread and the cup, may we be reminded of the community that we share this meal with. Fill us with words of encouragement that would spur our brother and sister on to love and good deeds. As we share in this meal, may we be filled with your grace, mercy, and love and go into our world sharing the good news. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.